Welcome to the Renew Life Church Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Um, today, I, I want us to, to continue our talk about the keys to the kingdom. Everybody say keys. I want to talk about the keys to the kingdom. Last week, we talked about joy. And we talked about how every believer really has access to joy. We should be living in joy. You say, what do you mean by joy? I mean being happy. I mean having fun, having a glad heart, walking through life in trials or whatever you face and having the joy of the Lord in your life and actually experiencing that. And what we learned is that that is a promise by God about living in the kingdom. If, I, if I'm living in the kingdom, I should be experiencing joy in my life. And we learned that one of the keys to actually accessing or unlocking the, the, the promise of joy is abiding in the presence of God. It's by abiding. It's by remaining and staying connected. You see, this, is, this, this explains what the keys of the kingdom are. The keys of the kingdom are the very tools that allow us to access heaven on earth. They are the tools that God has given us in Scripture, that, the, the ways that he's given us so that, that we live our life in, can I say it, the blessing of God in the prosperity of God, in the favor of God, in the wisdom and the understanding of God. When we're in, in, in a bad place, when we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, we have the God on our side because we know how to access the keys to the kingdom to get, his, to get heaven's reality to become an earthly reality in our life. I want, you to, I want you to think about it this way. I want you to think about it as if... Um, we all have a bank account and we all have a debit card, right? Some of you are like, I wish my bank account was a little bit fuller and I could use my debit card a little bit more. Can I just say, this is like the kingdom of God. And what happened when Jesus said it is finished on the cross, this is what happened. It's as if God took every promise that he had for a believer and he deposited it into your spiritual bank account. When he said it is finished, when the blood of Jesus covered every sin, every mistake, and gave us access to the Heavenly Father. When we got God, we got all of God. That includes his blessing. That includes the good things. That includes the strength that we need when we're weak. That includes redemption. That includes everything. And when Jesus died on the cross, it was like God said, okay, boom, here you go. And your spiritual bank account is full. And just like a debit card works to withdraw the money, so a key to the kingdom works to withdraw a promise from God. Are you following me today? We, in other words, we have everything at our fingertips. It is in our bank account. But because we are human, we are not in heaven yet, we are in a collaboration with God. And so it takes us taking steps and using keys that we find in Scripture to actually access the money, to swipe it and put our pin in so that we get the promise of God in our life. Am I saying today that we, that we make God do, do things? No, I'm talking about a collaboration with him. In other words, God just doesn't do everything for you. And on the other hand, we don't do everything for God. He moves, I move, we move together. These, these, this is the, the kingdom of God. These are the keys to the kingdom. Now I want to talk about one of those keys today. Before we, we, we get there, just to show you how important the kingdom is, 
to Jesus. Jesus said this, Matthew 6, 33, I already quoted it. He said, seek first, what? The kingdom of God. What did he tell us to seek first above all else? Kingdom things, kingdom ways. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 10, you know the prayer. It's Jesus. He's talking again. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Is it the will of God for the kingdom to be manifest in your life? Well, if it's not, then Jesus actually went against God when he prayed this prayer. So some of y'all look at me like, where is he going with this? I'm talking about, I'm talking about the people who may have a problem with the blessing of God, the people who might have a problem with the prosperity gospel. I'm talking about the, the people who might have a problem with talking about the favor of God being on our life. I'm, I'm sorry, but that is the kingdom. And Jesus prayed for the kingdom to come down. In fact, he said when he walked the earth, the kingdom is already here. We're not waiting for the kingdom. We don't have to wait for heaven. We can actually manifest it here by praying this prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done, God, on earth as it is in heaven. Isn't that good? Today I want to title the message, The Key to Transformation. The Key to Transformation. Let's pray. Jesus, we welcome you here. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here. We're in fellowship with you today. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that just like you do, you are a counselor and you are a guider. And I pray that you would counsel us and you would guide us in your word, that you would lead us into all truth, that you would speak to us in a fresh way today. God, I pray that even as I talk, that, Holy Spirit, you're talking even louder to these people. And uh, we just thank you for it in Jesus' name. If you agree, say amen. Amen, amen. Have you ever bought something new only... For, to have like a week or two go by and it just completely breaks and messes up. Anybody ever done this? If you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. Especially if you have boys. I don't know if you've ever gone on this adventure of buying new shoes for your boys. You buy, well, why, do, why do we even do this? It's like you buy new shoes and you look at the shoes a week later and it looks like you sent your five-year-old five off to war. It's like, what, did you just go and rub them in the gravel at school? What did you do to your shoes? These were brand new, and they're just completely shredded, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody got boys out there, right? It's like, let's go buy you new. Nope, you just, just keep those and look poor all, all year at school. It's fine. I don't care because I'm not wasting my money on new shoes again, right? We, uh, I just recently got me a new truck. Woohoo for new vehicles, right? And um, I love I love my truck. I especially loved it when I went to Dallas and I bought it and I picked it up. It was used. It had about 36,000 miles on it and, and I test drove it. And, uh, you know, if, if you go to Dallas to buy the vehicle, just, just so you know, you can't leave without the vehicle. So they got you. But it's better than paying the money here in Midland. Some will say amen. All right. So I went to Dallas, got my, my truck, and I've been driving it around. It's been great. And, you know, the, the first couple days of of having a new vehicle, it's like they're the best, right? You still got the new car smell, not the kid smell. You, I mean, it just, things are great. I'm driving around. I'm all happy. And, and, and just about a week into it, I notice it starts acting funny. It starts shifting kind of funny on me. But it's, it's a new vehicle, so I'm like, 
I, I deny it at first. Anybody ever do this? Like you deny what's really happening because it's like, no, I made a good purchase. I checked everything out. I asked God and sought him and prayed for this vehicle. Like, no, it ain't messing up. No, it was messing up. It starts to shift funny, and I'm like, no, I denied it first. But then about two weeks later, guess what? After owning my new truck, it's in the shop. Two weeks. And when you take it to the shop here, it stays in the shop forever, right? And so I wait like nine or ten days. I do not have the brand-new car that I just bought. And it's torture, right? It's like, here I bought this new thing, and now it has to go in the shop to get fixed. And here I am like, what in the world is going on? And can I just say a lot of times in our relationship with God, this is exactly the question that we ask. What in the world is going on? What is happening? Because what happens in our journey, in our, our relationship with God, is, is God will come and he'll do something amazing in our life. He'll do something new in our life. And here's what we feel. We actually feel brand new. It's almost like getting that new car. It's like things are great. You're on fire for God. He, he made a move and you got a new job or he blessed your life in some way. You found a relationship that you were looking for and things are great and you're driving around your life just like, man, I feel good. Got the new car smell, the new gospel smell in my life. You know what I'm saying? Things are great. But what happens after a week? What happens after two weeks? The truth is in our relationship with God, we can be on fire in one moment. In the next, it can feel like we're smoldering. And, we, and we, we, we go to live and we, we sort of slip back into the same sin that we used to be in. We slip back into the same way of thinking, the same mistakes that we used to make, the, the, the same actions and behaviors that we used to have, the same feelings that we used to have before we knew Jesus, before he did this big thing in our life. And here's what we'll do. We'll deny it at first. Oh, no, no, I'm on fire for God. I, I just, just got to get, get back to church. Get back to church. It will, it will, I'll get lit up again, and I'll keep moving on. But truth be told, after a week, two weeks, three weeks, you know what happens? We find ourselves in the shop again. We find ourselves needing what we would call a fix. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Do you know what I'm talking about? And I've got good news if you've ever felt this way today. Welcome to following Jesus. Isn't that encouraging? Welcome to following Jesus. Following Jesus sounds and looks a lot like this, where we can get on fire and then we can sort of die out. We can do really, really good for a moment in our life, but then we may go back to the same sin and, and, and the same mess up. And, and can I just tell you, a lot of times this frustrates me and it frustrates you. You know how I know? Because you tell me how much it frustrates you. I have people contacting me all the time. How do I get out of this thing? How do I get out of this sin? Why do I, I keep messing up? And what I've found in, 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 in the believer's life, in the people who follow Jesus, this is just the truth. You know what we all really, really, really want? We all want transformation. Deep down on the inside, we may not know why we keep messing up, why we keep going back to the same stuff. But deep down on the inside, what we want is real change. We want what's on the inside to actually manifest on the outside. We want what we learn in the word of God and what we hear at church on Sunday. And when we feel all pumped up, we want, it, we want what we do for three days to go on for three years or 30 years. 
We really do want change. And can I just encourage you today? Change is actually possible with God. Transforming your life, transforming your behavior, transforming your actions, getting out of that sin in that mistake that is in your life. I've got good news today. You can do it with God. You actually can get out of it. You actually can overcome a porn addiction. You actually can overcome gossiping. You actually can overcome the, the animosity you have with your wife or your husband. You actually can overcome the disconnect that you have with your kids. You actually can overcome because we're in relationship with the overcomer. So many times we as believers, we just we, we have, have, have sort of given up and said, man, I just, I just don't think I can do it. I can't beat that sin. I can't change my behavior. I really can't change my actions. And if we don't believe that about ourselves, you know who we believe it about? We believe it about others. In fact, it's a very well-known phrase, people don't change. Can I just say, that's the lie of the enemy. People can change because my Bible tells me they can. Because my Bible doesn't just tell me to transform, it tells me how to transform. It doesn't just dangle it out there in front of me, say, yeah, transformation is for all the pastors and the good people called to ministry. No, transformation is for whoever would want it. Some of you just needed that today. You need to know you can't overcome sin, you can't overcome the mistake, you actually can change your behavior. And God talks about this transformation. He talks about transforming, and not only does he promise us transformation, he gives us a key to actually do it. He talks about it in Romans chapter 12, the key, the key to transformation. Now, before, before I get there, sorry, gotcha. Before we get there, before we get there, I think a lot of our frustration comes from not actually understanding how transformation works. We first need to understand how transformation actually works. And this statement will help you. It will change your life forever. You ready? Transformation was a one-time occurrence for your spirit, but it's an everyday requirement for your soul. Transformation was a one-time occurrence for your spirit, but it's an everyday requirement for your soul. It's an everyday requirement for your mind, your will, and your emotions. It is, it is required of you to transform the way you think, the way you feel, and the will every single day. Have you ever noticed that you can have a really good day and wake up and just have a really bad day? Why is that? I'll tell you why. Because your soul has to be transformed daily. Your mind has to be transformed daily. We must take over our soul every single day. Now, here's the good news. We're a, we, we are a spirit. We have a soul. We live in a body. I'm just going to cruise right past that. Just believe me, okay? We, we are a spirit. We have a soul. We live in a body. And so our spirit, when we actually received Jesus, we became new. How many know the scripture? We're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. For, the, for years you've been wondering, if, all, if the old things have passed away, why do I keep experiencing the old things? Because your spirit was made new, but your soul was not. So what, what do we have to believe? We have to believe we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We have to believe that our identity is our true spirit, that we are a new creature, a new creation. Are you following me? 
We have to believe that. That's actually where it all starts is believing who we really are. And from this place, every single day, we renew our soul so that our soul looks more like our spirit. So that what God did on the inside gets worked out of us and we see it in our actions and our behaviors. Can I just tell you, God actually cares about the way that you act. And we should be acting different. You say, I don't know, Keith, um, what about the whole grace message? I'll tell you about the grace message. The grace message is the, grace is the very thing that empowers you to actually act the right way. It's when you realize he made me new and I didn't deserve it that I actually want to begin to act like him. Our actions do matter. Here's where they don't matter. They will never, they will never decide where you end up in eternity. They will never decide if you're going to stay a son or a daughter. You see, <clears throat> I'm going to move on. Anyway, moving on. We've got eight minutes left. Here we go. Romans 12.2. Remember, we're talking about how do we transform. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Good news, Paul said you can be transformed by the renewal of your mind. What's the promise? Transformation. What's the key? Renewal of your mind. I want to take it further and say renewal of your soul. Renewal of your mind, of your emotions, of your will. That we actually renew ourselves. And when we renew ourselves, we actually are transformed. Um, did you know that transform, this word, the Greek word, it's the Greek word from which we get our English word metamorphosis. I want you to think about that. I'm going to take you, take you back to fourth grade. You ready? You remember the caterpillar and the butterfly? He does or she does. You remember that? What, what, what happened? In other words, this word is actually referring to a change on the outside. Transformation, it's not, he's not talking about a transformation here on the inside. He's talking about a transformation that where you actually, there's a metamorphosis that happens. What's inside changes you and your outside appearance begins to look better. That's what, this is what transformation means. It's, it's also the same word that was used to describe the transfiguration. I remember the, the, the story of the transfiguration when Jesus and who was it, Elijah and Moses and everything changed. The disciples were like, whoa, what, what, what did they see? Jesus changed forms. It was a physical change in the atmosphere. You could see it. And we'll, so here's what Paul's talking about. He's talking about a, a, a transformation that happens on the outside in your behaviors, in the way that you look, in the way that you talk, in the way that you think, and it all happens by the renewal of your mind. Isn't that good? Here's what renewal means. I this is one definition I, I found, I love it. The replacing or repair of something that is worn out, run down, or broken. Here's what renewal is. The replacing or repair of something that is worn out, run down, or broken. And I, when I read that definition, I was like, that actually describes my brain right there. I need, it's, it's worn out. Anybody ever feel like your brain is broke? My brain is broke. I wake up sometimes, I drop, my brain is broke today. I, why can't you talk? My brain is broke, that's why. You know what I'm saying? Why, why did you just yell at your kids? My brain was broke, it's a really good, that's like a, a, a great excuse for anything. Why did you talk to me like that, husband? 
my brain's always broke. <laughs> Renewal is actually re- replacing and repairing the broken thoughts that we have. It's replacing and repairing the lies that we believe. You know what it means to renew your mind in your heart? It means to actually to get in line with the will of God. It actually means that, that when you're thinking about a subject a certain way, it's okay, I'm going I'm to take jealousy, for instance. I'm going to take jealousy. I'm, I'm jealous. I don't like this person. They always get what I always want. And, and, and you think about them a certain way. Here's what renewing your mind looks like. It means going to the Word of God and saying, God, what do you say, say about jealousy? I know I feel this way, and this is the way I want to think. But because you say I should think this way, I'm going to renew my mind to your mind. I'm going to renew my thoughts to your thoughts. I'm going to fill up on your ways. I'm going to fill up on the kingdom. And I'm going to choose to think the way you tell me to think. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to choose to let God tell me how I should think. I'm going to let God tell me how I should feel. I'm going to let God tell me what I should do. In other words, because I'm in a collaboration with God and I'm in humility towards him, I say, you know what? I'll do what you do. I'll think what you think and I'll feel what you feel. This is renewing the mind. This is renewing the mind. The first step for a lot of us is just realizing we need to renew our mind. The first step is us actually actually grabbing hold of the fact that I am thinking wrong about this. How do you do that? It actually starts with just filling yourself up with the word. Say, how do I know when I'm I'm thinking wrong? You'll you'll know how, how wrong you're thinking the more that you get the word inside your head and inside your heart. The more you learn about the way you're supposed to think, the more you learn about the way you're supposed to feel, the more word of God, which is life to us, that gets in us we realize, here, here, here it is right here, the more life that gets in us, we're actually able to pinpoint the, the lack of life in a thought, the lack of life in a wrong emotion. We actually realize, oh, that's sin, oh, that's darkness, that's death. D- the way that Jesus talks, this is life over here. I love, actually, I don't love this scripture. None of us love this scripture. What, what is, I can't remember who said it. He said, count it all joy when you face trials of many kinds. Don't you love when the pastor preaches on that one, right? Count it all joy when you face trials of many kinds. When's the last time you did that? I can't remember when I did. What's God saying? Oh, he's saying change your way of thinking and feeling about the trial that you're in. Because you're thinking that you did something wrong. You're thinking that it's never going to end. You're thinking that, why do I deserve this? You're thinking all these things about your trial. And here's what God says. Stop thinking the way that you're thinking. Count it joy. So what I do is I renew my mind. I fix my brokenness. And I renew my mind to his ways. Can I just tell you, this stuff works. If you will renew your mind, you will transform. Here's the truth. An unrenewed mind conforms. A renewed mind transforms. I don't know if I can get through this thing. Yeah, you can renew your mind. 
I don't know if I can overcome this sin. I've been in it for 15 years. Yeah, you can't renew your mind. Yeah, you can renew your mind. Can I just say this? It's time for Christians to stop being so weak-minded. We are weak-minded. Can I just say that without any shame or guilt? Just the truth. We are weak in our brain and in our mind. We let any thought, any conformity from the world, any thought just get in and just destroy our day. What is that? It's, it's, it's weakness. We need to be strong. Am I talking about you doing this by yourself? No, I'm talking about God doing it with you. I'm talking about him strengthening your mind. You wanna know how you strengthen your mind? You say, God, I thank you that you gave me a strong mind. You begin to believe that we have the mind of, you know the scripture, the mind of Christ is not weak, it is strong. I love what Psalms 119.11 says this. Look at this, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've stored up your word. If I store up his word, if I get his word in my mind and in my heart, what happens? It's saying I'm actually on the offense and I'm transformed. The reason I store up the word in my heart and in my mind is so that I don't sin against God. I think, I think um, a lot of times you hear a message like this and you hear the scripture, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Is that scripture? Yes. Should we do that? But can I just tell you, renewing your mind is not just fighting bad thoughts. Renewing your mind is not just stopping bad thoughts. In other words, we don't always have to live our life on the defense from the enemy. Well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to wait around until a bad thought comes in and I'm going to take it captive. What are you doing, man? I'm just living the good life, the Christian life, just taking my thoughts captive. Every bad thought that comes in, wham, good thought. It's like, no. Can I just, there's the answer for that. No, don't do that. Just, just don't. My mind is broke. Don't do that. Actually store up the word in your heart. Store up the word in your mind so that you actually wake up and you have Oh my gosh, I'm going to say it. Good thoughts. You think about the kingdom. You think about doing something for your spouse. You think about loving on your kids that day. You think about doing everything that you do at your job in excellence. In other words, the word just begins to pour into your thought life because you've stored it up so that you will not sin against God. What's happening? Transformation is happening. You're transforming your, your attitude, your actions, your behaviors. Um, uh, this is, I'll, I'll close right here. This is from John Maxwell's book, Developing the Leader Within. This is a really, really cool experiment that, that uh, these people did. Listen to this. <clears throat> I'd like to share with you an experiment performed some time ago in the San Francisco school system. A principal in the district called in three teachers and told them that because of their expertise, they were considered the finest teachers in the system. He also told them they would be given 90 high IQ students who would be allowed to learn at their own pace to see how far they could advance. At the end of the year, check this out, at the end of the year, these students achieved 20 to 30% more than other students in the entire San Francisco Bay Area. The principal called the three teachers in and told them he had a confession to make. He told them they didn't have 90 of the most intellectually gifted students. 
In fact, academically, they were run-of-the-mill, average students picked at random. The teachers naturally concluded their exceptional teaching skills must have been responsible for the students' great progress. But the principal had another confession to divulge. These teachers were the first three names drawn out of a hat. Why then did these students and teachers perform at such an exceptional level for the entire year? They were encouraged to believe that they could. Isn't that good? What's my point? My point that is when a belief gets so deep on the inside that it changes the way that you think, that you actually begin to transform on the outside. You don't want to know why the students perform better and why the teachers taught better? Because they thought they were that. They thought they were supposed to. They, 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 they thought of themselves in a different way. They thought of themselves higher. They thought of themselves as, as being intellectually higher than the ones around them. And literally that one thought and belief, it changed the outside. Not that we need proof for the word to, to work, but doesn't it help a little bit? When we renew our mind, it will work. Come on, his word works. I said his word works. His word works. You're not, you're not just without help. Isaiah 55, eight through nine says this, for my thoughts, this is God talking, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know what we need? We need higher thoughts. If you bow your head and close your eyes. We hope you loved our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great rest of your day.